Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley DeMaria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is gifts. Anne, happy fourth Sunday in Advent. Hi, Haley. Yes, the final leg of our Advent journey. This is the week of December 20th, 2020. Now, thinking back to last week's theme of joy, Haley, I'm wondering where you might have found joy in this past week. So I found joy um, close to home. It was my son's birthday, and um, I'm not sure how joyful he found it because it was his midterm week. But um, I think that's that's been a challenge for everyone this year is to find joy maybe during a time that that isn't so fun. Um, but you know, it's it's always a joyful time at Christmas in our house with the Christmas lights and um, and then also celebrating his birth. Um, during the Christmas season. I, I am an August birthday, so I don't have that, that sort of combo birthday Christmas problem. Um, but so for me, my kids always bring me the most joy. And, and for this week, it was Edward. Happy How about birthday. you? Happy birthday, Edward. You know, it was my niece, Lucy. It was her birthday. And I called her on her birthday. And she said, so she's 12, not officially 12 until 9 p.m. 9.07 p.m. because that's when she was born. And I just love that perspective, right? The specifics, knowing right when you're young, just um, the importance of a number and age. So happy birthday to two, to both Edward and Lucy, two people in our lives that bring us a lot of joy. For sure. Um, but one source of joy this past week was a, a gift that I received uh, from work. So a couple things about that. Um, and I will introduce the idea. I am intrigued by the idea that joy can spawn from contradiction. So what do I mean by this? The school colors at St. Francis, where I work, are brown and white. Okay, brown. And it used to be brown and gold, but they kind of cleaned it up and it's brown and white. Haley, I'm sorry, but I am just, I have had a hard time embracing the brown. So St. Ignatius, where I worked before for 16 years, was navy and red. As someone who's fairly preppy, it could not get any better than that. As a Notre Dame fan, you and I both know, you know, blue and gold. And then we have that great accent color of green. So we have some leverage. But when you have brown, you you really, you're forced to just embrace the brown. You know, as our friend Father Tom said, brown is the new black, right? You have to be brown, baby, is what we say. So, yeah, yeah I have to tell you, Anne, I remember when you first told me that you were taking the job there. And I remember thinking, St. Francis, St. Francis, they, my cousins went there. Um, and they did, you know, many years ago, my cousins were St. Francis students back in the 80s. And so I pulled it up online to see where you were going. And and I saw brown and I thought, brown, that's a that's a really interesting school color. Um, you know, if you're trying to rally school spirit, um, how do you go with brown? But then I thought, you know, even in our own lives, my son's high school, Mount St. Joseph, is purple. And um, I'm not really a big purple fan either. But of course, I also live in, in Baltimore Raven country and the Baltimore Ravens are purple. So I am surrounded by purple, clearly now as you are surrounded by brown. And you're right, sometimes you just have to embrace it and go with it. So cheers to the brown. Tell us cheers. about it. <laughs> 
Well, I do like that connection to the Ravens and I like how they've included black with their purple. It seems kind of, you know, worthy for, for football. Um, but this brown shows itself in interesting ways. So one of the assistant athletic directors, uh, he's kind of our gear guy, and he has a lot of relationships with different vendors throughout the area because we are a huge school and have a robust athletic program. He decided to order these ugly Christmas sweaters for our staff. I looked at this and I was like, there's no way I want to wear this thing, right? It's brown and it has gold. It is ugly. And I got it on my desk. It showed up and I opened the package. Haley, it's not a sweater. It's actually a sweatshirt. It is so unbelievably comfortable. It is so unbelievably ugly. I put it on and I love it. I can't tell you how that happens. It was a source of joy to the point where I wore it for Zoom teaching for my final two classes. All of my students were like, Miss Triggers, that's awesome. So I think there's something here with this idea of you know contradiction, that something can be ugly, but joyful at the same time. But you know, Anne, you also embraced it too. You didn't, you, you were open to it. So um, we, we need to be open to receiving that joy, even if we have our, our preconceived feelings on it. Um, but what fun, I can't wait to see the sweatshirt. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have the courage yet to wear it outside of St. Francis. I was thinking of wearing it for golf today, but again, it's a statement. So I'm laughing as you say, uh, you embraced it. And I'm thinking, Haley, I don't know if I had a choice, but at some point you, you do, obviously. And UPS has done a great job of marketing Brown. So uh, yeah, I, I will step on board and um, you know what, maybe I will wear that sweatshirt sweater today. And, and it gives people an opportunity to kind of just chit chat. And um, something happened this past weekend that gave people a lot of reasons to chit chat. Notre Dame played in an ACC championship game the outcome was not what we thought, but uh, there was the joy of game day that took place yesterday. There is the joy on game day. And anybody who's a huge college football fan knows that waking up on a Saturday morning, uh, there's just a feeling inside that you know it's game day and you know there's a, a level of excitement no matter who you're playing because especially this year when every game was not a given there's that joy of the Saturdays that your team is playing to know I get to watch them today and they get to play um, you know I remember at the beginning of the season when a lot of the programs were starting to to shut down or announce that they weren't playing and um, you know the the heart-wrenching social media posts from some of the players were were really hard to read because you could feel the emotion so you know that each of these players who get to play on saturdays are are filled with joy um, and what a gift for them to be able to play every single time they could step on the field and and what a joy and a gift for us um, to wake up and know that that big game was coming and you know to to connect with others in a way right you know that's the good side of social media is um, you know, we can we can reach out and, and watch the games together, even though we are physically distant. Amen to that. I agree. I played golf yesterday with a friend who went to a women's college and she said, you know, Anne, I don't I don't really get the college football thing. That's not part of my experience. And I thought, oh, and, and, you know, and I am it's T minus, you know, two hours to kick off. But she's a sports fan, so she got it. But you're right. Uh, some friends I hadn't heard from in a while said, you know, good luck today. That That is the best thing I could, you know, I love hearing that even around my golf club, 
people noticed, and you're wearing green, go Irish. Who do you guys play today again? Or yeah, wow, good luck against Clemson. And I have missed running into people and the chit chat that goes with, you know, anytime we follow sports or, you know, the dynamic of sports in our world. But as you mentioned, there are different ways we can still connect and um, really celebrate that joy and the gift of college game day. Well, it's always a gift to watch and it's always a gift to talk about. And sometimes it's a little painful to watch. Um, yesterday might have been one of those days. Um, but, you know, even the, the post-game comments you were talking about, what a gift it is to know what to be able to say after a game like yesterday's. And and the gift to um, bite your tongue sometimes when you're reading some, some suspect comments and, um, you know, not wanting to respond in a way that um, is not who we want to be. But... Again, it's a gift and it's a joy anytime we get to watch our teams play. So true. Yes. Uh, you know, keep, I want to, maybe there's a guideline or uh, for sports fans, what to say, what not to say, you know, rough loss, tough one. Those are all good. Haley, you were so right when you said no snarky comments. <laughs> those are appreciated on behalf of the person who's on the losing team. I need to hold my tongue. Right. And got to support the team. And I, I did wonder for the team what that bus ride that, you know, we've, you know, we've all been part of something that hasn't turned out, but that must've been a tough bus ride home. So perspective always helps. And Hey, we, um, we will play again and hopefully we'll play better against Alabama. We'll see. Well, and you know, the, the snarky comments are always the toughest one for me, especially when they're about the players and the team, because nobody wanted to win more than they did. You know, we think we as fans or alums really, really, really want the teams to win. That doesn't even come close to how the players are feeling. Um, so, um, yeah, let's let's. I, let's not perpetuate the snark. I know you and I certainly don't make the snarky comments. <laughs> What's hard for me is not um, responding to the snark. So um, we will move on to, to more kind words um, in, the, in the gospel and the readings for this week. Um, you know, one of the ones that really stuck out to me um, comes from a first reading of Isaiah that just starts with the, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. And uh, you know, what a what a great sentence passage for this entire year, um, you know, so much of this year, even starting, you know, in January with the Australian wildfires that, you know, so many of us have, have forgotten yeah. about. Um, yes. But, you know, one of my closest friends from high school lives down there and their entire livelihood was wiped out by it. And, and so for them, that was, a, you know, a huge darkness that started off the year. And then, of course, with the pandemic, we've all lived in this looming darkness um but the whole idea of people who walk in darkness have seen a great light um you know of course jesus is coming his birth is is this week and and that is a huge light for us in terms of hope and boy do we need that after this this dark year that we've had and and whatever that looks like for us you know you know certainly we celebrate christmas this week but whatever that light is for people um it's coming and and it is there and and what hope that gives us and 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 really what joy and love that gives us in looking forward to that hope um and that light that that will be here soon that hearing you speak about that reading haley um reminded me of two ideas number one the surfer, soul surfer, Bethany Hamilton. She gives a testimonial and 
part of her, she's a Christian, a devout Christian, and she says her goal is to be a light for others. And I've always remembered that. So yeah, you're, you're talking about this, the reality of the darkness and that w- the, the light that we're looking towards, but we can be that light, right? Like she says, I, she feels called to be a light for others. And I think she is, I think she is as she surfs and continues to surf, you know, with one arm and rising to that challenge and just proclaiming um, her, her kind of personal motto as a Christian. And the other is, a, you know, a non-religious setting, uh, Pantone, the color, you know, they, how would you describe Pantone? It's a color scheme. Um, it's used in art. They have numbers for specific colors. They designated two colors for 2021. The first one was ultimate gray, and the second one is illuminating yellow. So the gray speaks about the past, like 2020, like what so much of what we experience. Gray is kind of this ambiguity. It's not black. It's not brown. It's not necessarily cheerful, but it's not necessarily depressing. I mean, gray is, you know, there are some beautiful grays, but this gray is um, ultimate gray. And I would encourage people to look at it. I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. But when you pair it with this illuminating yellow, it's almost like a bright yellow of a lemon, right? Like a, almost on the verge of fluorescent. And it is, it lives up to the name, illuminating. So it's fun to think of those colors as kind of like imagery for the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. We'll, we'll pair those together. Okay, I love that illuminating yellow. Um, I might have to find a place for that in my life. I also love what you mentioned about Bethany Hamilton and being the light, um, because you're right. That's what a great goal for us, um, and what a gift for her to be that light to other people. And and um, you know, what a, again reminder for us that we we too can be that light, and what a gift that would be for others as well, um, especially during this holiday time. Um, there's a gospel this week also um, that we'll all hear. And, you know, it's, it's telling the Christmas story and, um, you know, there's the passage in Luke that says, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And, you know, we hear those words a lot, you know, that's a very common passage, do not be afraid. And there are, there are times when I think of just the, the practicality of this gospel reading, you know, here's this angel that has appeared to them out of nowhere. Um, who would not be afraid? You know, I think of myself outside or in my bedroom or wherever I am, all of a sudden, if this angel appeared, um, how could I not be afraid? I think I would be terrified. Um, but it's, you know, those simple words are, are so powerful when you really think about what's going on in the story at the time. Uh, but we hear those, we hear those words a lot. And uh, I think it's also something for us to remember during this darkness that we've walked through as well. Uh, do not, do not be afraid. You know, the light is coming. As you were speaking about that, Haley, I thought you mentioned the word practicality. You're so right about that. Now, my first reaction was, well, are you kidding? If an angel came for, I, I think that would be awesome. I would just be like, wow, what, I mean, I, I'm curious. I want to know, but then practically speaking, you're absolutely right. Like, how could we not be afraid? And that speaks to, I think, the nature of fear is that, right, practically speaking, we know objectively maybe we shouldn't be afraid, but the truth of the matter is we are because there's unknowns, there's things we don't understand, we might be overwhelmed. And I, I do think back to the papacy of John Paul II, his first words when he became Holy Father were, be not afraid. And, and Christians love that song, right, be not afraid. And 
um, they are repeated in the gospel often because they are necessary. We need that reminder because practically speaking, there are a lot of reasons people are afraid and um, God offers a comfort and many gifts that can hopefully assuage that fear. Yes, I, I agree. Um, and and it's that you're right. That's a great reminder, and, and even just a metaphor for our lives. I I would love for an angel to appear to me as well, um, but I would be afraid of it first. <laughs> um, so my piece, the spiritual stew, is the prayer of Saint Francis. Uh, one of my favorite prayers. One I encourage anyone to memorize. In particular, my students. Uh, obviously, we're at the school of Saint Francis, but. You know, living in the city of St. Francis, uh, his message is so powerful. And it's really about this Christian paradox. And one of the lines is, it is in the giving that we receive. And so we've been talking about gifts. And I always bring this up when I, so I teach, you know, an ethics morality class. How is it true when that, when I give something I'm receiving? Because the laws of physics say, if I'm giving something away, right? I have less, but I absolutely believe that I've gained something. So physically, there's nothing that you can see that I've gained, but interior or like there is something that I have received. And so this line of prayer, I think is worth spending time on. What is it that we, what, what is it that we receive when we give and why does that bring such joy? So it's interesting. And as you were saying that, um, and again, I can see you on the screen. So as I'm watching you physically say, I'm giving something away, but I also get something in return. You know, really what St. Francis perhaps is saying to us is yes, we've given something physically away, but what we've received is something spiritual um, and how much more important that is than the physical gifts. Um, you yeah. know, we, I love to give gifts. I would much rather give a gift on Christmas morning than receive one. Um, I love to receive them too, but the, the real joy that I get um, on Christmas morning or anytime we're exchanging gifts is watching someone open something and take delight in what they've just received. Um, and, and so for me, the joy I receive and the, and all of it, the satisfaction in knowing that what I thought they would like, they really did. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, my mother loves ribbons and packaging. And so she takes great joy in the actual physical wrapping of the gift, um, and the bow that's on it. Um, so I don't put a lot of bows on gifts, but boy, my mom gets, you know, the, the biggest ones I can find because I know she loves them. Um, so for me, it's it's the joy in seeing that someone appreciates what I have given them. But I but I, I think what St. Francis is saying there is, you know, the physical gifts aren't what bring us that make us happy. It's it's the joy and the spiritual gifts that that we should really strive for. Yeah, Haley, I think we're cut from the same cloth because my mom as well loves and she is talented at the packaging. And I think of that brings me joy right? To know that that's something that she, that's part of her gift giving, right? Mechanism for my dad. My dad always finds cards for us and it's very sweet how he picks each one individually. So for him, that's the giving, right? And that he receives that joy and that love of finding, you know, a card that says the message he wants his son or his daughters to hear. So Yes, there are many different ways we can give gifts, I think is what I'm learning from this conversation. And there's many ways to give gifts. And one of the passages of scripture that I looked at was 2 Corinthians verse 9. 
says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And it is um, when you when you've gotten that gift and you know it's special for someone, it's so easy to be cheerful. But I think of those years where I've I've gotten a gift and I'm not that fired up about it. And you know, maybe I'm not as cheerful, but um, the idea is we give gifts because we can and we want to, right? We wouldn't, I mean, maybe some of them are ob obligatory, I suppose, but in those obligatory gifts, why not make, why not be a cheerful giver and also be a cheerful receiver? It can be on the receiving end of gifts. Sometimes you don't know what you're getting. Um, in my family, you might, because you might be some of the family members who ask specifically for what they want. There are two camps, those who tell you what they want and those who are open to surprises. But to be a cheerful receiver means just to recognize this is a gift. A gift is freely given. It's, you know, there should not be expectations with a gift. It, it, it is a grace. And um, I think that's part of the real message of Christmas is that we ought to give gifts, right? Not because we feel obligated, but because we want to. And that's part of the cheer that the Lord loves. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny that you say that about being the, um, you know, the, the joyous receiver, the, um, you know, being, being joyful in receiving. It's something that I am very aware of about myself and, and something that, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with as, as a gift receiver is I'm not by nature a very effusive person. Um, you know, very rarely am I going to open a gift or really experience anything and, and say, wow, this is amazing. I love it. Um, it's just not me. Um, that's just not my personality. Um, so when I do open a gift that I know someone is really excited to give to me and, and really excited to see my reaction, um, it's, it's sometimes uncomfortable for me because I want to give them the reaction that will show them how I feel. Um, but I, I don't know if I can always give them the reaction that they're looking for and, and be genuine because really what they want to know is that I truly genuinely love it. Um, but you know, I, I see the difference in my own family because I have one son who um, thinks everything is amazing. And you know, I always say if I burnt his toast in the morning, he would say, "Mom, this is the best burnt toast ever." Um, so I do have one who, child who is a very um, effusive and joyful, cheerful receiver of a gift, and and I have another one who's very much like me, who's you know will say, "Oh, wow, thanks, mom." Um, and that's his way of saying, I really love this, but I'm getting a, yeah, thanks, mom. Um, so it's, it's, I will do better to be a, a, a genuinely cheerful um, receiver of gifts. And um, yes, we do always want to be a cheerful giver because there's nothing, um, you know, you wouldn't want to be someone who's begrudgingly giving a gift or giving a gift out of obligation. Um, that's not truly a gift. Um, you know, a gift is something we give freely and and should give uh, cheerfully. I, I love those words. Well, our homily today invited us to take some time for silence this week. And I thought as you were speaking, you know, how can we best receive our gifts that we've been given by God, by our family in a way that's true for us? I, I don't think we should be who we're not and we should appreciate, you know, for how people do receive our gifts and how we can be that cheerful giver. You know, I have in my worst moments, I think about, yeah, I have to buy my brother, his fiance, my nieces gifts, like that's four on one. 
right? That's not a good place. I don't like being, but that's, that's real. I've, I've been there as I'm shopping for the fourth one. Sure. So to speak. Um, but that's not the spirit of Christmas. So there is something I will, I will pray with this week in our gifts. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I did, I mentioned it was Edward's birthday this week and, um, it was really funny when we went, when we sat down to open gifts, uh, we were sitting at, at our kitchen table and he had a, his pile of gifts on one side and he looked over and he just said to me, do you have your list? <laughs> and, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. Um, and, and really what he was asking is, do you have the list that you're going to make of the gifts that I get? Because I know you're going to make me write thank you notes. And um, it, it just made me chuckle because he knew I would expect that of him. Um, because I, you know, for us and for me, it's important that we show the gratitudes, you know, the gratitude for the gifts that we receive. Um, I'm always grateful when he has friends who send thank you notes because, um, you know, there's nothing, you know, I've, I've heard plenty of times, how come I'm the only one that has to write these? Uh, it also doesn't help when your birthday is 10 days before Christmas and you have to write thank you notes after yep. your birthday and thank you notes after Christmas, which, you know, at this point he's 16, 17. Um, so it's fine. But when you're eight, that's a lot of writing to have to do when you're not in school. Um, but it, you know, it really made me think about, um, clearly thank you notes are important to me. I, I believe in the power of a handwritten note. Um, you're not going to get a thank you text from me. It's always going to be, you know, something that's handwritten and th that's always been very important to me. Uh, but it made me think about, you know, the gifts that we receive from our faith and the gift of Jesus's birth and the gift of our salvation and, and just the gift of prayer and the, the constant gift that we have because of what we believe and who we are. And, and I started thinking, how do I write a thank you note for that? You know, how am I showing my, for someone for whom thank you notes and gratitude is so important, how am I showing gratitude for my faith. You know, what What thank you note am I writing to God for these gifts that he has given me? Um, and I'm not sure I have an answer for that. I, I, I have never sat down and wrote a thank you note to God. Um, you know, my my there are prayers of gratitude, and I guess that's our way of talking to him. Um, but it, it made me realize, you know, for someone for whom writing and, and showing gratitude is important, how am I living my life um, that really shows my appreciation for my faith? And so for me this week, that that's my takeaway. How am I going to, to live my life in a way every day that shows the gratitude that I have for this gift we're about to receive at the end of the week, which is, you know, the birth of the birth of our Lord. Haley, I'd, I had never thought about writing a thank you note to God. And I, I don't know how or why I had it. I, for example, in a growing up, having gone to Catholic school every year during Catholic schools week, we would write a letter to our parents, thanking them for the sacrifices they make to send us to Catholic school. I too grew up in a home where you better believe that thank you note gets written. And I've been, I've heard over the years when someone doesn't write a thank you note, then my mother will say, I wonder if they got the gift. And I don't know if that's an, a genuine question or if that's a shiding because they didn't write a thank you note. But you know, there is that sense of like, I hope they got it because if you've been given something right? The natural response is thank you because it's freely given. It doesn't, it's not an expectation or an obligation. So to write a thank you note to God um, is a beautiful idea and whether, yes, it's through a prayer and it's absolutely how we live our lives, but that might be something to do in silence this week in my journal, or that's a great invitation. 
Um, and the gift is Christ. Um, as you mentioned, the, 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 he, he was born and came among us to dwell with us and to teach us and um, model, right, how we are called to live. Yeah, I too do not like the question. I wonder if they got that gift. Um, and and you're right. I'm not sure sure why that is being asked, if it's truly wondering if they got it or if it's saying I didn't receive a note. Um, I do have a family member. She's the oldest family member we have in our family at 97, my grandmother. And um, she's been known to not send a gift the next time around if you have not written a thank you note. So um Carolyn usually gets our, our first gift, our first thank you note of the of the writing session because we we know that one has to get there. So um, I'm not sure I want to um, to do that either. Um, but it, it is it is part of of our writing here for sure. <laughs> well, there is a four gift challenge. I don't know if our listeners have heard about this. It's been around for a while. I've blogged about it, but the idea was commercial. So excuse me. Christmas is so commercialized that maybe we should simplify and um, bring it down to four gifts that we, as children, you know, that we would hope to receive. So it's something you want, something you need, something to wear and something to read. So very practical. I think something that we want, you really need, you know, there's something that I, I, I need a new jacket or whatever that may be. And then something you need that's kind of indulgent, that might be fun. And then something to wear, that's also very practical, but I love the something to read because I think that is truly a gift to be able to read. And um, I'm not just saying that because I'm a teacher, but maybe I am, right? Reading begets reading. We, whatever, they say, whatever you read is good. Just it gets you in the habit of reading and takes us outside of ourselves. They say readers have a higher level of empathy. That's one of the more important qualities for why you should read. And a former colleague just this past week, two weeks ago, recommended a graphic novel. So this was my first experience, um, like partaking in the reading of a comic book, essentially, but it's not a comic book that it's designed. Like if you opened it up, Haley, you might think it's a comic book, but it's called a graphic novel because it carries a pretty significant story. And the graphic novel I read was called Dragon Hoops. It is the story of the Bishop O'Dowd basketball team. The author is a former faculty member at Bishop O'Dowd, which is a Catholic school in Oakland, but his children go to St. Francis. His name is Jean Luan Yang, Chinese American. And he writes about um, really the story that he found in the Bishop O'Dowd basketball team. And he did this as a non-basketball fan. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. If people need a gift recommendation for somebody that loves basketball or somebody who likes, you know, art and, and comics. Um, he usually did like superheroes. And so he loves comics growing up and he says, wait, in sports, the good guy doesn't always win. And how do I reconcile this? And what's the story of this team? So he follows the team and every athlete knows your team carries its own unique story. I mean, that's part of your story, Haley, is your membership on the Notre Dame swim team is a profound story. Every team has its own story. And so he was able to witness it and share it and um, teach it really through his drawing, but also the dialogue. It has history, it has um, matters of race and identity. Uh, what a gift to be able to read for one, but also to read something in a new way. Yeah, I love the idea of giving gifts. Um, it, 
I started when I was younger. We used to have the the Scholastic Book Book Fair at my son's school as a fundraiser. So I would I would buy every book I could think of just to help support the school, but also to give as gifts that Christmas. Um, I have already purchased this book for someone in my family. I won't mention who because hopefully they're listening to this podcast. Um, but I also love the idea of a graphic novel, and um, you know maybe this is a topic for a different time. But you know not everybody loves to read. Um, and not everybody has the ability to, to read as well as others, you know, whether it's a learning difference or a challenge um, or, you know, I have a friend whose daughter had a concussion and it affected her eyesight. And so reading words was very difficult for her. But the whole idea of a graphic novel is is reach telling a story, which I know, you know, Anne, you love is, is to tell stories. And um, you know, that's really what a book is, is sharing a story. Um, so the whole idea of a graphic novel is just telling a story in a different form that's not just words. Um, my son's high school has a, a graphic book club um, where all they yeah. do is read graphic novels, um, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Yes. Um, you know, we, they've got this great, you know, parallel program for students with learning differences. And it's a way to create a book club that, you know, is really accessible and enjoyable to everyone. And um, that's a gift, um, you know, that gift of, of inclusivity and um, recognizing that, you know, everybody loves a great story. And, you know, sports are such a great vehicle for telling stories. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe the author will become a sports fan or a basketball fan, or at least see a different side of sports um, beyond just the competition. Um, you know, there's, as, as you know, and we all know, there's so many great lessons um, to be learned through sports. So I'm excited to read this book. I might have to read it before I wrap it. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And you're so right, Haley. Um, uh, audible, different ways that um, people can encounter literature, stories. Um, I'm so grateful for the many different ways or something that you probably did as a mom and, and had as a child is parents reading to kids or having others read to us. I think of Father Hesburg later in his life, who when he was nearly blind, people would read to him. So yes, thank you for the reminder that there are many ways, but this graphic novel is a, a really um, fun way to read. So um, hope our readers will check it out. So I think, Anne, you know, as we navigate this week, it is Christmas week. Um, it is for so many people, myself included, a busy week. It can be a stressful week. It can be um, a trafficy week, although hopefully not this week. Hopefully more people are staying home than they should. Um, but I hope that everyone, you know, as they're purchasing their gifts, as they're wrapping the gifts, um, can really take the time to think about what that gift means and, you know, to be grateful for the ability to, to buy a gift for someone and to share a gift with other people and, and to also look at the gifts that we have that you can't wrap. Um, you know, really the most important gifts as St. Francis, you know, shares with us in his prayer, you know, in, in receiving, in giving we receive and the, the reception of that joy of being able to give a gift is, is really what's, what's most important as we give gifts, um, the meaning behind them, the thoughtfulness of it. Um, the ability to have people and, you know, just to have people to share gifts with, um, you know, let's remember also those who are alone um, this week and as we move through the, the Christmas weekend. Um, and I've said this probably every episode that we have taped, um, you know, this is our fifth week. One of the greatest gifts of this Advent season has been sharing um, this podcast with you and learning from you and talking with you and 
um, and just knowing that that this has been a gift in my life. So thank you for that. Um, I probably should, as a, I should probably put my, you know, my words where my, or my action where my words are and write you a thank you note. So you might get that. Um, but just know how much I, this is a gift and I hope it's a gift that we can share with others. And I know we do, and we receive joy from that as well. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks Haley. Thanks for sharing your talent and your son who really helped us in this journey to launch um, Faith Fondue. So thank you to all our listeners who've shared in our journey so far. Please share our podcast with others. Um, It brings us joy to just hear what others have to say in response to our ideas. And um, as we mentioned this week, the many gifts that we have been given. Yes, and next week is Christmas. So have a blessed Christmas week. And Anne, you as well. And I look forward to our conversation next time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.